Praise the Lord. Well, he's never lost a battle yet. <clears throat> I don't figure he's going to start losing now because he's, he's a mighty God. We're so grateful to be able to be able to live for him in this day. We look at the king of this world that we're living in, which is the king of cosmos. We see all that he's doing and all that he's accomplishing. We can see by the sickness, the disease, the uproar, the chaos, the absolute mess that our world is in. This is what he wanted. I hope he's happy because he's not going to remain this, this way very much longer because our Lord's going to come back, <clears throat> take away his bride after three and a half years of worse hell than this earth has ever seen. The sons of God's going to take over and we're going to restore this earth back to where it was in the very beginning that God made it. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. So happy to be here. So very, very happy that this is the last time that we brothers get to meet like this. Lord willing, Wednesday night we get to resume and remember we're going to uh, start again on Wednesday night service and we're going to try the two group idea and see if that'll work. Um, I'll remind you again that <clears throat> the Deacon Brothers will seat in here is, is available and then uh, in the overflow we'll put them in the fellowship hall and we'll see how that works. If it doesn't work, we'll revert back to the three. If you don't like it, you can blame me because it's my idea. If it works good, compliment Brother Darrell. Uh, we're, we're grateful that the Lord's helped us during this time, and we just so appreciate it. We just ask you when you come that you work with the Deacon Brothers who are trying their very best. And from everything I've heard from them, y'all have done really good in trying to keep this thing at bay. We, I don't believe God wants us to fear this thing. I don't think that he wants us to live under the fear of it. I do believe he wants us to be sensible. I don't think the fear and sensibility are the same thing. And we're pretty evident by now that we've had a bunch of message folks that's been affected by it, message churches, message pastors that have died, several saints that have died in different assemblies, and we do not want that by God's grace as long as he will help us to be able to keep that at bay. So everybody do your part. And Well, I don't need it, you might say. Well, you may not need it, but do it for us because you might be a carrier and may not even know anything about it. So we want to try to respect each other and have each other in mind whenever we come together. Because we sure don't want to stop having church like this again. I love all these brothers. Boy, I appreciate them coming. But it ain't just ain't the same without you all, believe me. I mean, they're doing their very best. And I'd hate to think what it would be if it's just me here by myself. But God intended for us to be together. We're made that way. That's right. So we certainly want you to just keep that before you. Uh, remember different ones that are in prayer. Brother Louis mentioned it last night. Brother Ron Peterson been really, really sick. I uh, hadn't heard from him this morning, but been in touch with him every day since they put him in the hospital. He was in really bad shape. Several in their churches got it, so we want to remember them as well. Different churches uh, up in Virginia, North Carolina, different places are being affected by it. So certainly want to keep them before the Lord in prayer. Oh, we want to also mention today um, the Gould's family and the Yance family. Uh, remember them during this difficult time that God would just be merciful. This is part of the journey of life that I don't think we'll ever understand until we get there. Once we get there, I'm not sure we'll need to understand it because it'll all make sense there anyway. But it's just some of those things that you look at and try to understand. But we know that God is faithful to us. Let's turn, if you would, again today to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. What a blessed privilege it is to be able to look at our Lord's life in these passages of Scripture and be able to understand the very reason of Him condensing to such a place, as we'll look at it even a little further today, was for us, all of this He had in mind. And of course, His own desire to reach the fullness of His expression. 
Notice how Paul here picks him up and said, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, which is the order of the king of righteousness, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death was heard in that he feared. Let's pray together. Fathers, we bow our heads to the dust of the earth, Lord, from whence we were taken. Dear God, we're grateful today for the opportunity that we can come together. Lord, we thank you for keeping us through these difficult times. And Lord, we're so grateful, Father, that, that if everything works out Wednesday, we'll be able to start gathering together again. And it's under anticipation, Lord, that we long for that day to be able to arrive. And Lord, even greater than that, when all of us can come back together, Lord, unhindered. But until that time arrives, Father, we don't want to just uh, growl about how bad it's been and complain about how bad it's been. But we want to give you praise that you've helped us. We want to give you thanksgiving with all of our hearts. We would have never thought if anyone back in, in, in a year or so ago had told us this was going to happen and we'd be missing church and we'd say, oh, Lord, there ain't no way we can deal with that. There's no way we can be able to handle it. But you, by your grace, has come on the scene and helped us. We're not saying it hasn't always been strenuous on us, but, Father, your grace has been sufficient. Lord, I'm thinking today of Sister Karen Pruitt still in the hospital, Lord, and hearing from Brother Tim earlier this morning, and she's doing good, Lord, except not, not gather the ability to be able to speak yet. And she's moving about as the nurses are talking to her and all, but that still hasn't come back yet. But we're agreeing together today, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you'd move for our sister. We call her name God, and we believe according to the promise of your word that you're going to move for. Help her, I pray, Father. In the name of Jesus, may there be no lasting results of this in her body. And Lord, my mind goes up the road a few hours, Father, to my friend and buddy, Brother Ron Spencer. Lord, going to try to speak today. I pray that you just be with him, Father. You see these treatments and medication and things that he's not taking. And Lord, you see that it can affect him being dizzy and all these different things that come with it. But may the Spirit of God, I pray, anoint our brother today. Help him, Father. We ask, Lord, for the needs of your people around the world. We ask you, God, that you would just comfort the Ghouls family, the Yonts, Lord, those that have lost loved ones and those that are sick and suffering. Help us today, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, brothers. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I'm going to say how much I appreciate you all coming. The musicians, Louie, been faithful here as a song leader and all the special singing and the brothers in the video booth, and the audio booth, the brothers upstairs. We so appreciate it. Thank you for making it possible for those who couldn't, couldn't come. Let us <clears throat> turn again today, if we can, to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. And to me, read one of the most astounding scriptures that there is in the, in the New Testament. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Paul takes on the great challenge of trying to cross the breach between the deity of Jesus Christ and the humanity of his body. And we know that it was a great thing. It was so confusing in the first church age that it started not long after the Lord Jesus had left the earth. And it began a great course of division by which the people were arguing and theologians studied it then. They still study it to this day. Many books have been written about it. And it's, it, it can be very confusing. 
because there's never been another example down through time to where we could look back and see where a God chose to become a man. Not just a God, but the God. So we don't have any patterns. We really don't have any types, no shadows, nothing. So all we know is the very story that he himself inspired the authors of the Bible to be able to write and tell us. And he chose to inspire those men, but only allow them to be able to release a certain amount of his personage and of his ability to be able to reveal himself. And thank God we live in the last day when the culmination of all that is becoming more clear than it ever was before. So it must have been very overwhelming to live in the first age. Can you imagine now here, you are a first century Christian. You know a little bit about Melchizedek if you were a Jew. If you were a Gentile, you probably never even heard the name before. And then you get this letter or you hear this letter read in your assembly. And it was called the the book of Hebrews. And Paul begins to write about this mysterious character which is called Melchizedek. It was in the minds of many people at that day, even as it is today, as some say that it was no more than just a fictitious character. Others say, well, it was just a Melchizedek priesthood. Some identified as an angel. Some identified actually as a Canaanite king, which was a contemporary of Abraham, or somehow during the life of Abraham was the king of Jerusalem, and he was a Canaanite. But God allowed Paul to be able to break into the mystery of Melchizedek because it tied to the very fulfillment of who God himself was. But to the saints of God in that day, it must have been overwhelming because they read this very same scripture now that you and I read this morning. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And then they're trying to be able to go back and forth with that. And Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. And also Hebrews 7 and 1. And they're trying to comprehend what is Paul saying. Is Paul saying that Christ was a man? Was he saying that he was something before he became a man? Before his work of incarnation? Most, they must have left services as the, the ministers would preach on it. And they would talk about it on their way back home. And they would discuss it and we know that they would have their feast of charity as John described them and they would actually the rich people of that day that had become believers they would let them use their homes their big houses that they had and they would actually clear back the chairs and the furniture and so on and they would let them have church and then after they would have church and these rich people would have a dinner and it was uh, a spot as John referred to it that the unbelievers came in and they become uh, spots in their feast of charity. And no doubt after the service, they would talk about it as we do. And they'd think, wonder who Melchizedek really was. Was he the Lord Jesus before he become incarnate? Was that what Paul was saying here? Maybe they go to the pastors of their assemblies and say, did did, did you understand what you read? Uh, Can you help us further understand this Melchizedek and actually who he was? The pastors would probably have to say, No doubt with the limited understanding that they had. Well, all I know is that that God talked about him in the Old Testament. And then Paul here writes about it. But you know, Paul did not really speak that much about him. He said that he was a priest. He was a king of righteousness. And he was a king of peace. And of course, we know that is Shalem or Salem. Uh, What was that? The natural Jerusalem of the pasture. I said, well, I really don't know. I don't know if that's actual the natural city. Or is it a paradox, something? 
thing that parenthetically is trying to say that it's just a type and metaphorically I, I really don't know can you imagine for 2,000 years Melchizedek has been this mysterious person that genuine sincere people have wondered who he was but God allowed us to live in this day when the mystery would be consummated right up at the very end of the prophet's message and he would preach about him in 1957 then he would tap on him again in 1961 and then he'd go silent on him for several years and then he would stand up in the great series there in Jeffersonville at the school and he would say now for another revelation from the Lord God on the message of the last days. And then he would entitle it, Who is this Melchizedek? And then in reading his scriptures for the text, he'd say, Now whoever he was, he's still alive tonight. Just in that way. Whoever he was, he's still alive tonight. And he would go on to expound to us and oh, how we are so blessed to be able to live in this day. Are we not, brothers? To understand that Melchizedek is no longer this great person of mystery, but he has chosen to allow himself to be made known. It must have no doubt been a very peculiar thing for the people of that day trying to comprehend who and what Jesus was. Even as men to this very day take the very life of the Lord Jesus and divine his deity from his humanity and try to separate the dividing line and think, well, how much was deity and how much was humanity? And really the prophet summed it up for us very beautifully and very perfectly and said that he was all God and he was all man but it depends on which part you're looking about and saying the all now that deity on the inside was completely and totally God and the human on the outside was completely and totally man actually it was the father himself in an act of condescension by a creative act of his own love and the father become in the form of a son in order to stand between himself and us Oh, glory to God. He did this himself in order to stand between himself and us. It was not another person of the Godhead. As a matter of fact, God said in the Old Testament, he said, I am he and there is none beside me. He said, I know of no other. So I'm going to take his word for it and sit of some theologian somewhere that says there was somebody else beside him. God looked around and said, I don't see nobody. So if you're looking around and saying another, you better get rid of your vision and get God's vision. But then we come to the mystery whenever deity would become a man. And then we think that Paul would write this and capture it in such a way that the phraseology that he would use, you'd have to have understanding or you'd think, is he talking about the past? Is he talking about the future? Is it in the, 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 the ages before man even comprehended? And then he said that Though he were a son, though he were a son, though he were a son, or though he were the father's word, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now Paul places his sonship in pre-incarnation, but we're not talking about a little boy running around in heaven or a 30-year-old man running around in heaven, but what God actually gave birth to was the word itself, which was the Logos 
cross, which would later become what we would know, the Son, or the human body of the Lord Jesus. For though he were a son, yet, notice this little powerful word, yet, yet learned he obedience. Now how in the world could he be the Logos and be the very omnipotence of God and be able to learn anything at all when he is the eternal? Oh, you see, there is the act of kenosis that he would allow himself to be stripped of this great personage of deity and come down and be captured in a body of time. Look at the meaning of this word learned. Understand, to learn, to increase one's knowledge, be informed, to learn by use and practice. So here the Lord Jesus is going to allow himself to learn by obedience. So Christ's human experience is described as Paul writes about it in a way that none of the rest of the writers of the New Testament was allowed to do. So it was an experience of learning and limitation and humiliation. It was actually a learning experience, oh my, of such devastation that the world would look at him and ridicule and laugh. All my bones, they, they stare at me, they laugh at me, they pierce my hands and my feet, they pooch their, lap, their lip out. You know, according to historians, actually, Brother Darrell, they say it, they're on the cross, that the Lord Jesus quoted Psalms 22 1, right on down through every, every one of those messianic verses there, although the Gospels do not record it. But yet, Josephus and and some of the historians say there on the cross his last hours as he began to quote uh, Psalms 22 and to relate the messianic fulfillment in his own life. And you can see why it would have been a very great mystery. How could this be the representation of God? And how could this be the very God himself living in a human body? When the Bible tells us in Luke 2.52, oh my, that he learned in wisdom and grew in wisdom and in stature before God and man. You can't be talking about deity because deity, you can't teach it nothing. But it was the human part. And he is going to become so complete to be sufficient for our high priest sacrifice and to be able to extend in this realm between us and God that he must learn obedience and he's not going to learn them by a book. Now the Father God did not give him a whole set of encyclopedias on learning obedience. So this one is when you're 12, this one's when you're 14, this one's when you go through the rebellious teenage years and as you get older then I'll update your volume and I'll give you a book and you will learn how to experience all this by knowledge. God already knew that by knowledge. But God did not know it by experience and he wanted himself to learn and understand how we feel by experience. We all know how that is. Now people can lose a loved one and say someone would lose a baby or a child. And we would have the funeral here at the church and people would come through. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm really sorry for your loss. I know exactly how you feel. I lost a mother. No, you don't. No, you don't. I know exactly how you feel. I lost my uncle. No, you don't. Just because you lost an uncle does not mean you know how it feels to lose a child. I'm told by so many that losing a child is one of the most horrific deaths that a person can go through. And yet people will go up and try to find words of consolation. Well, we're all going to die. Well, why don't you just keep that to yourself? We're all going to die. Well, you'll get over it. You'll get better in time. You'll get over it. Just hush. 
Just hush. Just come through the line and shake their hand. Oh, I understand exactly. I had a cat to die. What has your cat got to do with a woman losing a baby? And you're going to try to console them because you had a dog that died? Now look, God wanted to be able to understand so he could say, in all reality, I know by experience how you feel. Now can you imagine then a mother walks up and this woman who's laying there and her baby or child is laying there in the casket and then another woman walks up and she knows she also lost a child and she would grab her and embrace her. Honey, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly the loss that's unexplainable. It's more than what you can even comprehend. She will be able to minister to that individual. You remember the woman that had the child and she was in the, uh, going to be called in the prayer line in the prophet service and the baby was crying and you know the woman back and forth and back and forth and another woman said here honey you take my seat. You take my seat. No, no sister that's fine. That's fine. And she and said Lord you know the Lord keeps putting it on my heart. Would you, would you mind if I prayed for your baby? I know you got a prayer card. You're going to get prayed for. And Brother M's going to pray for that baby. Why no, dear, go right ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She prays for the baby. Then the woman's prayer card is called later. And the prophet reiterates what happened back there in that line. God healed your baby when that mother prayed for you. Why? Because she could feel the very heart of a mother. Don't you understand? That is the very condescension. You're a prophet of God with a gift and visions and so on. But there was something about that mother's heart could reach in and assemble. Don't misunderstand me. Maybe in a way that Brother Branham could not. This is why the children would come up with cross eyes. Not a one of them ever walked off the platform that was not made well. Why? No doubt Brother Branham went back in his mind, Brother Darrell, to his own little baby girl laying there with her eyes crossed. And because he could feel that, there was something on the inside of it. You let someone in your family have cancer or you, and then you hear a prayer request. What does it do? It touches something deeper on the inside of you than it would others sitting there. Why? Because you have experienced it. How did you get that feeling? Because you just completed a study on Google of the statistics of cancer? No, because you found it out through suffering. You didn't find it out because of education. You didn't find it out because of reading. But you suffered and you hurt and you lost and you grieved and you cried oh my and it embedded something inside of your makeup that you will never get up God said I want to feel that way I must do it I must feel like a human when my children say why father why I must feel why. When my children argue with my will, I must feel. Why do they question me? Why do they argue with me? I, I, I know this is the best for them, but why do they think they know more than I do? I want to understand what makes their humanity Exalt himself above my providence and my great wisdom. Lord Jesus. 
Can't you see why our Lord Jesus was so fitted and is fitted to this very day to be our high priest? Christ as God was perfect in wisdom and understanding. Christ existed. Oh, hallelujah. He was the Father. He was the Father. But he loved sonship. So he must come down. He loved fatherhood, sonship. He loved the universe. He loved the stars. He loved all of that. But he wanted to merge it together. He wanted to become tangible. And yet he wasn't tangible. He was invisible. So he become a man in order to enter in. Now this is a total new method that the eternal will allow himself in his humanity to be taught something. Praise God. He learned what it was like to submit and obey the will of the Spirit even though you are wrestling with that. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now you would think really in one way that men would be able to relate to other men in a better way. You'd think in reality that one sinner could relate to another sinner in a more perfect way because we're all sinners. But that's not true. You see, sin deprives us, and it actually can sin, can make us hard-hearted. And we can look at others that sometimes aren't really as low as we are, and we still don't look at them mercifully. You remember when David was told the story by the prophet about a rich man who stole somebody else's little ewe lamb? Remember the story? Isn't it amazing how David's rush to judgment? The man who done this will die. And yet David was more guilty than the metaphor that the prophet gave him. Remember how whenever Hannah was wanting a child from God, and she was in such desperation and cried at the altar of God, and God's priest looked at her and said, she's drunk, Eli. Look at how one mortal, oh my, we've all done it, you might as well say amen, and you at home might as well say amen too, because we're all as guilty as a hound dog in the hen house. We look around at one another, and we judge one another, and we judge wrong, and we judge harshly, and we judge absolutely evil according to the Word of God, and we act like we know what's in anybody's heart. You don't know what's in anybody's heart, and I don't either. We might judge and think we know, but the truth of it is most of the time we don't have a clue. And yet would not God be better off to take this sinner and make this sinner man a high priest? He did that in the Old Testament. And what did they do? They got to a place because of the position they held. They elevated themselves over the people of God. And many of them priests got worse off than the people were. And yet they were heartless. They were cold. They were cruel. And God said, this is the end of that order. This is the end of that order. I cannot trust one man being over another to maintain that heartfelt position. I must go myself. 
I must come myself. I cannot make an ordinary man to be their high priest because in time they become calloused. They become hard. They become indifferent. But I will go down myself. I will leave my stage of perfection. I will come down and learn how to be a human. I'll learn how to feel. I'll learn how to suffer. I'll learn how to become a man. Oh, hallelujah. You see, it's only the spiritual-minded person that can actually relate to others in their weakness. We can do it now by the grace of God because now we've got a new birth if we will allow the Holy Ghost to be able to think through us instead of judging through our eyes. I always marvel as I hear situations that come up in people's lives and situations that will come up in the church and I'll hear, you know, this one said this and this one said that and that one said that. Most of the time I know more about the truth of it. I just always marvel at the decisions that people make and the judgments that they make. And I think, I, I know already that we're not ready for the millennium because it's not how much you quote it's not how much you jump and shout but it's the ability to be able to discern right from wrong and how people will take one side or another of a story and make complete idiots out of themselves doing it because they don't even know all the truths but yet the first one that tells them their side of the story many people that's the one they believe failing to realize no matter how thin you slice a situation there's always two sides to it and yet the Lord Jesus oh my he said I must go down and understand both both sides. I am deity. I understand the great spirit's intent. I understand the purpose, the motive, the objective. But in order to stand completely in the middle, I must understand the human side. I must understand the human weakness, the human frailty. Why do they complain? I give them breath every day. I give them water. I give them air. I give them food. I nurture them. I care for them. And I move for them over and over again. I'm on a trial comes up, they act like I've never moved for them one time in their life. They act like I've never done one thing. And they question me over and over again. Father, do you love me? Father, do you love me? What makes them do that? How can they think that? How can they behave that way? My God. My God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he understands. From birth to death, he was plagued with the weakness of humanity. Now think of it sinless, totally sinless. He got thirsty, he got weary, sad, burdened, lonely, misunderstood, ridiculed, talked about, criticized. Notice Paul says in Hebrews 6, 17, oh, what a marvel when I run across this yesterday. Wherein God, willing more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Now listen to this. Even this very passage of scripture is Paul catching the act of condescension of the eternal. 
Oh my. God's word should have been enough to say he's going to do this and he's going to do that and going to do that. God's word should have been enough. But God knew the weakness of humanity. And when someone gives us their word, my goodness, especially in this day and time we're living in, people's word don't mean nothing. But God, even then, knowing how man was, that man actually needed a second confirmation. And that confirmation was what? An oath. Now you know as well as I do that when people are called on trial and they go up and they lay their hand on a Bible, who knows how long that'll still be going on, but they lay their hand on the Bible, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Now notice what they are doing. They are actually taking this oath of the great eternal, one which is above themselves. Now, why don't they just get up and say, you tell the truth, yeah, I'll tell the truth. Well, why don't they just take the word for it? But what does the judge, the jury, everybody there, what do they want? They want an affirmation that is higher than just saying, will you tell the truth? Now, because they know this is serious stuff whenever you lie under oath. Right? This is serious things when you get up under oath. You can actually be criminally prosecuted for it and all kinds of things. Lord, it's a good thing they don't do politicians that way. We wouldn't have prisons big enough for them all, would we? And they get up there before the Senate and the Congress and this and that and the other and lie like a hound dog. They'll put you in jail for doing it, but you're not an experienced politician, are you? But notice God knew. Now God, God said, I'll give them my word, but he said, I know how they are. I'm not only going to give them my word, but I'm going to swear to it. I will swear. And since there ain't nobody no bigger than me, I'll swear by myself. Notice we're in God willing more abundantly. He wanted you to get it so much. Brother Louis, he wants us to get this so much. He wants us to get it so much. He was more, oh, he was more abundantly willing to show unto the heirs of the promise. That's us this morning, brothers. Heirs of the promise, the immutability. So what did God do? God, you know, Brother Bram used this several times and he said, if I was God, if people didn't take my word for it, I just let them go on. As they didn't want to take my word, he said, but God gives signs and God gives wonders and God gives gifts and God does this and God does that. Why? He wants us to get it so bad. Oh, hallelujah. He wants us to get it so bad and the devil tries to paint in our mind that God don't want us to have it. That is a lie from the pits of hell. He wants you to be healed so bad. He wants you to have peace so bad. It's the enemy robbing you. Oh my, oh praise God, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. I love, I tell you Brother Darren, I found this yesterday, I, I, I just need to come unglued. The word here, actually the Greek word is interposed with an oath. is the way that it says it. That's the Greek. 
And it means literally, he acted as mediator between himself and us. He didn't send a little boy. He didn't send another person. But he got between us and himself. Praise God. He got between us and himself. How can he do that, Brother Donnie? Because he has the ability to project out of his being this part of himself, which would be an act of condescension called the Son of God. Not another person, not second and then command in heaven, but himself in a condescended form. He stood between us, oh hallelujah, and his wrath. He stood between us and his justice and said I will do this myself I'll project out of myself myself and myself will stand between you and myself forget trying to figure that out you can't figure it out because we can't do it and anything that we can't do we can't grasp without divine help notice this we're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability. Oh, immutability. Look at the meaning of this word. Not to be transferred, fixed, unalterable. God's promises are immutable. They are not to be transferred, They're not to be watered down or weakened. They are fixed. They are unalterable. This is why I tell you, my brother, sister, those of you that are visible and those of you that are listening, no matter where you are around the world, those attributes in that book, the Lamb's book of life, they are just as immutable as God's own divine counsel because they are thus. They are thus. So God's unchangeableness in his will and decree has himself being called on the scene to stand between his great Shekinah and fallen man. His promises will never change. Not one iota, not one jot, not one tittle of his word will ever fall. Hang your soul on it. That's right. Notice then we have the ability given to us by him to be able to believe such great things. This is why the world, of course, looks at it as a bunch of nonsense. It's crazy, but it ain't crazy to us. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed. Look at this word. To act as a mediator between litigating or covenanting parties. So it wasn't that he stood up there and said something and confirmed it by words only. He confirmed it by action. This is the difference between church natural and church spiritual. Church natural, oh, I love God, oh, I'm going to heaven, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. It's all by words. They have a few actions in there, but not very many, because they can't produce very many. But the bride don't just talk, she walks. 
Amen. The bride don't just say it, but she lives it. The bride also confirms back her oath to him. What are you talking about, Brother Doug? God, I love you. I'll serve you. God, I'll give you everything. God, I give you everything I am. God, I pray you'll take. I promise you, Lord, I'll live for you. I'll do it every day of my life. There's lots of folks that say that, and all it is is a just big, a vain lie. A big, vain, empty lie. But the bride has the ability to confirm the oath. Why? The power of an endless life. The order of Melchizedek has come back inside of her. Every one of you that's got the Holy Ghost here today has your own part of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, which is the power of an endless life. Wherein God willing more abundantly is shown to the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it to act as a mediator between litigating or covenanting parties to accomplish something by interposing between two parties to mediate. So you want swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth help you, God? I do. They sound lie like a dog. So who's going to hold the Bible up to God? He is the Bible. So nobody has. Now, God, you want us to swear to tell the truth of God? Now, you ain't going to be no liar. Now, God, you ain't No, there's nobody greater for him to even submit to him the summons or the oaths. So God said, I declare it myself by my actions. I, I won't just say it. I'll do it. I will confirm the oaths. Amen. I will confirm the oath that I made to Abraham. Count the stars if you can. That is your seed. And it wasn't just the natural seed neither. Because remember, he showed him the dust and he showed him the stars. And the prophet tells us in 1964, from dust to stars, there's your destiny, brother, sister. Your destiny is from dust to stars. And God confirmed that by what? Living a life as a mortal. He didn't just say, no, I swear, I swear, I promise, I promise. But he come down and said, I'm going to give you the power to live live the way I lived. I'm not just going to tell you now you better do this and you better do that and if you don't do it I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to whoop you. I'll tell you what I'm going to beat you like I don't know what. No. But he said I'm going to come down and live this life. I will be the first human being that will live a perfect life under the law of God and I will give you that life because I'm going to send into heaven and I'll make you part of my new order. The Melchizedek order. You will be a law in yourself. You know why people do things wrong? Take their phone and get onto websites that they shouldn't get on? They go into a motel room and go to clicking the remote on and go to watching things they shouldn't watch? They're not listening to the king inside of their heart if he's there. But if that domain is set up inside of your heart, you don't have to have Brother Donnie following you around. You don't have to have your wife following you around. Don't you? You've got the king living on the inside of you. And it is confirmed by an oath. And your oath is this, an obedient life. An obedient life. But what if I mess up? You'll obey and repent. 
you're still obeying. Little children are writing to you that you sin. No, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the perpetuation for our sins only, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. But what if I mess up? What am I going to do? You're going to repent. You're going to make it right with God, and you go right on with your walk. Why? Because you have got the confirmation of the power of a resurrected Christ living in you. God is still confirming the oath. Praise God. Hallelujah. Notice this, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope is set before us. Two immutable things. God's counsel and God's oath. God's word and God's manifestation of the word written out when he said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. Now, the word volume actually there comes from the little piece of wood that the scroll was written upon. So they would write the, the scroll on, on animal skins or parchment as it went on in time. But it, then they would write, roll it up and roll it on top of that and they'd have a little small stick of a thing and it had a finial right on the very end. And that was the word for volume. That was translated volume. So whenever you had the finial, which was the capstone, you had the entirety of the book. Now, Jeremiah was some of that book, and Moses was some of it, but Jeremiah wasn't the finial. And Jeremiah was not the ultimate decoration which represented the entirety of the book. So whenever a Hebrew saw that finial, he knew that it was the representation of everything in there from Genesis to Revelation, as we would say. So when Jesus said, Lo, it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. I come in the volume or the finial. He was the cap work of the entirety of God's word. So when you had the finial, you had the whole volume, both Old and New Testament. So he did not say, Well, here, I'll just hand everybody out a book and y'all read it and try to figure it out if you can but he said no I'm not only going to give you the word but I'm going to give you the word made manifest in a human body and I'm going to have my life written down I'm going to let you see how the word cried I'm going to let you see how the word prayed how the word begged how the word cried out for deliverance why because you're going to need that because every day of your life is not going to be on the mountaintop oh lord so God's counsel and God's oath. I will mediate between myself and man. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. If you don't see the oneness of the Godhead, I don't know about you. <laughs> it will be contrary to my own nature. For this to ever fail. Because for me, to, I cannot lie. Because it's contrary to my nature to do so. Now let's not raise no hands. And let's not say amen or anything. But every human being. If they're caught in a tight enough spot. 
it still lays in your humanity to twist the truth. I see you. Brother Donnie, huh? What about Brother Branham whenever the telephone rang and Sister Media? Oh, tell him I'm not here. Bill, is that right? Is that right? Tell him I'm not here. What the Holy Ghost say? Oh, I'm so pleased of you. I'm so proud of you. Said you hypocrite. You lied. Well, if that was a lie, I wonder about some of the things we tell. Preach it, Brother Donnie. Well, I guess we'll just have 10 Wednesday night. Everybody be mad. Won't want to come back, will they? But God said, I can't lie. Can you imagine whenever we get our new bodies, we will never, never be able to twist something. We'll never again, never again be able to twist something to represent it in our light to make us look good. Now, don't y'all sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. Don't y'all sit up there and look at me like a bunch of angels. Because it still lays in our unregenerate nature. What do you think exaggeration is? Boy, I went down to the creek the other day. I, I caught a fish. I'm telling you what, that thing, oh Lord, I, 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 I shot the office deer. That rat must have been that. Are you sure that wasn't an elk you shot? Instead of a deer. Oh, that, that beard on that turkey, that thing had a beard, three and a half beards. He had four mustaches on the backside of his legs going out. I never seen such a thing in my life. And then whenever you get it, you say, that ain't my turkey. That ain't what I shot. There ain't no way. That's my turkey. That thing was so long. He had whiskers. They were trailing Trump behind Come on, face the facts. What is it? It still lays in our human nature, but God said, I can't lie. Think of it first. Satan is the father of lies. Look at the difference between him and the eternal. The eternal said, I just can't do it. <laughs> it's not in me. I can't even exaggerate. I can't even just bend the truth a little bit to make it look to my favor. He said, I cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. Praise the Lord. He cannot fail. He cannot forsake his children. All praise be to God. There's things he cannot do. Notice this. It would be contrary to his nature to lie. How many believe that? It would be just as contrary to his nature to fail. Contrary to his nature to deceive. Oh, I know the Koran says that their God says it's all right for you to lie. Oh, yeah, I've read it. I've got one of them. It says it's all right because Allah himself lies. Well, I can believe that for Allah. It was ain't nothing but a demon anyway. But the Almighty God does not lie. He cannot lie. Well, praise the Lord. And he does this that we might have a strong consolation, Paul said. A strong consolation. And it would be solid and we would have a whole bunch of it. I'll tell you one thing. We need a bunch in the hour we're living in. Oh, my. And then he goes on to say, who have fled for refuge? Praise God. Now referring to the six cities of refuge laid out in the land of Palestine. 
Three on this side of the river, three on this side of the river. Let's break them down. The first one, Kadesh, meaning holy. The Hebrew word there is Kodosh, which implies the holiness of Jesus, our refuge. Shechem, meaning shoulder. The government is upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. Hebron, meaning fellowship. Believers are called unto his fellowship. Bezer, meaning a fortress. So Christ is to his people. Ramos, meaning high. Him has God exalted with his right hand. Acts 5, 31. Golan, meaning joy. In him all the saints glory. In him, notice all of the cities of refuge and remember what that was. And Brother Louis and I were out working in the field. And Brother Louis' axe head flew off of his axe handle. And it hit me in the head and killed me right there, dead in a hammer. I'm laying there, oh my, and Brother Louis is terrified. He's scared to death. Oh goodness, what am I going to do? Oh goodness, the avenger blood's going to come after me. I know Brother Harry and them and half a happy valley, three quarters of them, Lord have mercy, they're all going to be after me. Oh God, you know I didn't mean to kill Brother Donnie. Lord, what am I going to do? Well, depending on where me and Brother Louis was, God spread out those cities of refuge and God said when a man kills his brother and he does not intend to, he's not meaning to and there's no previous thing there that would believe that they would believe that he did, that man can take off and boy, whenever he does, he heads straight out to where that closest city of refuge is because he knows it ain't going to be long. Maybe in the evening time, they'll miss me and they'll send somebody, where's Brother Donnie? Him, Brother Louis, and I'll chop some wood and then where's it going to go? Oh, there's going to to, you know the creek over there somewhere and they come in there and they find me I'm laying oh my and they're getting so mad they go back and they tell the avenger of the blood that Louis Blevins sorry outfit boy we need to go after him I tell everybody grab all the church together get the deacons get the trustees get the musicians get the old maids we don't care who they are we're going to get him brother Louis heads to Kadesh <laughs> Holy. Now Brother Louis crying every step of the way because he'd done me wrong. But he didn't mean to. And he goes up to Kadesh. And he knocks on the door and said, hey, let me in, let me in. They said, what have you done? Oh, I, I killed my pastor. Was I chopping wood? I didn't mean to. God knows in my heart I never meant to. We've always been buddies, my, ever since I met him years ago, and I love him, and I'm so sorry. So the elders of the city agree, and they open up the gates. Glory to God. And they close holiness behind him. And now Brother Louis is in the city of Kadesh. Hallelujah. Well, the avenger of blood knows that Kadesh, glory to God, is the closest city. My, here he comes, that old thing of condemnation. Boy, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. You know you've done wrong, you sorry thing. You know you've done this and that and the other. So he comes up there on holiness, and he begins to bang on righteousness. Let me in. Let me in. You've got a murder on the inside of there. Paul said, don't you see, brethren, our Lord 
came down in the form of a human being that he might embody his own covenant that we would be able were we guilty of course we were guilty that we deserve to go to hell yes we deserve to go to hell but we made it into the first step of Jesus Christ's great perpetuation and he declared us holy we are not only holy we are forgiven Let them bring the deacons. Let them bring the trustees. Let them bring all the boards. Let Brother Ron Spencer, Brother Tim Prud, many of my brothers and friends from around the world, let them all gather around Kodesh. But the elders will scream back over the wall. We find no intent in Louis Blevins' heart to kill his brother. Therefore, he is safe in Kodesh. We declare him innocent. Does that mean he won't relive what he did? Does that mean he may not wake up in the nighttime as Paul and maybe others did and see the faces of those? That they wronged? No. But Brother Louis has to stand upon the declaration of the great Adonai who said, I set these cities aside and there they can be safe. Praise be to God. Paul said that we as the people of God might have a consolation. Satan wants to remind you of your past. Not only that, but many of you, he wants to remind you of what's went on in your life since you've become a Christian. Oh, you failed the Lord since you got saved. You've done this and you've done that. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to call you out of that city. Now, this is one of the bad, the bad sides, the drawbacks about living inside that city. If you step one foot outside that gate, you're a dead man. These, these avengers of the blood, they could stand out there and wait for you. They would be allowed to set a tent on the outside. They would be allowed to build a house or whatever more. They would allow them to do that. And they're waiting right there for you to step one foot outside that city. And when you do, they are going to take your life. And this is what Satan tries to do to us as the people of God. He tries to remind us of those things in the past. Or tell us, well, we're not what we used to be. I don't know, I'm getting kind of weary of being a Christian. You know what he trying to do? He's trying to draw you out of your city of refuge, Christ Jesus, your Kodesh. And when you do, the prophet said a person can be a good, strong Christian. And they go to confessing, well, I guess I'm not saved no more. I guess I don't think I'm a believer no more. He said from right there, you go down. You begin to backslide with your confession. That's why your confession should always be positive in Christ Jesus. But Brother Donnie, what if I'm dealing with things? Well, deal with them. But still be a positive Christian. I am a child of God. I'm not a child of God because I don't make mistakes. I'm not a child of God because I'm perfect. I'm not a child of God because I've got everything under control. I'm a child of God because I have entered into Kodesh. Do I have mistakes? Do I have failures? Do I have mistakes that are so insurmountable seemingly in my life? I do. But if the elders let me in, hallelujah, the devil is not pulling me out of my city of refuge. Hallelujah. Glory be to God.
I'm so glad we don't have to jump from one city to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. But by entering into Melchizedek's city, the city of Salem, we get all six in one. Isn't it amazing that there would be six cities instead of seven? We know God's not complete in six. Six is the number of men. Wonder where the seventh one is. Hallelujah. But you won't get to that seventh, my friend, unless you went through the gates of the six. And not, not Jesus and Mary and well, I, I pray to Mary and then I pray to St. Joseph and, and then I pray to St. So-and-so for this and oh, I'm so glad I've just got one. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, knowing me, I'd get confused, you know, and, and get the guy that, that you're supposed to pray for in times of security and I'd get him mixed up with the guy that's supposed to bless your garden and then I'd get mixed up with the other guy. I'm just so glad that I got one name that I call on and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Think of it, brothers, that God said, this is what I give to you. I give to you based upon my immutability. You can anchor your soul here. Here is the venue. I come in the volume of the book. Listen. Listen. Oh, glory to God. I love what Paul says here about two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We may have a strong consolation. We're in the hour when people are getting strong delusions. I don't want a strong delusion. I want a strong consolation. A strong consolation who have fled for refuge. Fled for refuge. You can't just sit around on your hands. Well, I'm waiting on God, waiting on God. Paul never said that. He said, you fled. Get up. Get out. Fled for refuge. To lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Let me read this one here before we go. Which hope, Hebrews 6, 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters into was in the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You realize there were Hundreds and thousands of priests that were Levites in the Levitical order that never ever got to step one foot in behind the veil, the holiest of holies. The high priest alone, once a year. So if he was high priest for 20 years, maybe 20 times, he would be allowed. Can you imagine a span of a lifetime of 20 times as a priest? And you get to go in behind that veil. All those other hundreds of priests out there never even got to enter into that awesome presence and that feeling and that, that aura of the presence of God. But here our forerunner 
has so made the way in the presence of God that he stands on this side of the veil and says, Come on, children. I made a way for you. Come on through. You have a sure and steadfast place for your soul. An anchor. Oh, I'm afraid we take it for granted. The opportunity that we have every day of our life sealed with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we're behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. Glory to God. Can you imagine as the preceding months would come up to the time of Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement and the high priest would search his life, search everything about himself. You know, I said this wrong. And then the preceding week as the days would get closer and closer, maybe the day of the day before and said, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow I've got to walk out to God. Is there anything? Is there anything? Because remember, they would tie a linen rope around his waist. And on the hinge of fringe of his garment, they would have a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell. And when he was in there ministering, as he was walking around, the jingling was going on. The prophet said they knew he was alive because there's noise in there. But if he got killed from the presence of God, they'd grab a hold of that rope and pull him out. You imagine as he come through, he'd go to the outer court, the inner court. His heart start racing, flushing in his face. Oh, great, I don't know. Maybe pause, Brother Darrell. Oh, God, if I've done anything. Jehovah, please pardon me. He would reach and get that curtain, a handbreadth thick. Reach and get that curtain. in that warm glow of that ember carted light hanging between the cherubims remember he was not to turn his back on it when he would perform the sacrifice for himself he would come and walk out And now, you simply approach this way. Lord Jesus, I love you today. I worship, I worship you. I magnify your name. I've got needs and requests and desires and petitions, but I just want to worship you a little first. Do you understand your praise? Gained you access and entry into the place the high priest could never go. Oh, glory to God. 
It's a shame. It's really a shame that we don't do it more often than we do. May God help us. Don't you love Him today? Oh, hallelujah. By His great immutability, He confirmed it by an oath, a life lived by the Word. Praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Will you at home, us brothers here in the, in the sanctuary, can we just bow our heads for just a few moments in this Shekinah? Glory to God. Oh, great almighty God. We Gentiles who were at one time dogs, but the forerunner came before us. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for not taking more of that grand opportunity given to me. Oh, Adonai, blessed be the Lord God of hosts. We worship you, Lord God. Not only the handful of us from this assembly, but Lord, those that are in this morning from France, those from Canada, those, Lord, from different parts of the world, may the Shekinah glory come down their living room and their car. Oh, Jesus, the way has been made. We have a sure anchor of the soul. For you have stood between us and yourself. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. I bless your name. As a priest after the order of Melchizedek, I lead your people today in worship. Almighty God, we have come through Kadesh, Shekim, Bezer, Golan. Hallelujah. We have entered into the sevenfold glory of our blessed Lord. We will not be cast out as profane. Ichabod can never be wrote over our soul. The glory can never depart. We have been sealed to the day of our redemption. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Oh God, we enter into the Holy of Holies. Oh God, to bless your name today. Thank you, Father. You loving brothers with all your heart. Whether the forerunner is for us, entered in and given us a great consolation. An anchor which is steadfast and secure for our souls. The devil. Just come on up.
Just have Brother Louie to sing that when you feel in your heart. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Such an awesome presence, Lord, we feel right now. Oh, God, that you have secured this for us, Lord, that we can approach you. How we bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for such a time as this that we have been called, Lord, in this day that these great truths, these great truths may be known to us, a people, a people, Lord, who can manifest these promises in the reality of your word, Lord. And we humbly thank you, dear God, for the pulsation of the Holy Ghost, Lord. That we don't worship you, dear God, not through the creeds of a man, Lord, but through the revelation of the word that's been made known in this hour. And we thank you, O oh God, that we can step in behind the veil, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the great truth that you've given us, Lord Jesus. Our hearts, oh God. Our hearts, oh God, can be full of your great presence, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the oath, oh God. Thank you for the oath, Lord, that you just, you just didn't speak it, Lord, but you acted it out, dear God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, bless your children today, Lord. In their homes, God, where they are with their wives, their children, Lord, or whatever it would be. They realize, Lord, the great privilege the great privilege that you've secured for us, dear God, a faithful high priest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I don't have words to say. Just listen to my heart, Lord. My heart speaks its own language. It speaks its own language to you, Lord. And we thank you today. Amen, Lord, be with you. Be with your children today, Lord. Those that are their needs, dear God, may they just look to you, Lord. And confess, dear God. The light. Grant it, Lord Jesus. I bless your name. I bless your name I bless your name I bless your name Hallelujah I give you honor I give you praise You are the
good name Some midnight hour If you should find You're in a prison In your mind Reach out and praise Defy those chains Hallelujah And Sing this song 
Amen. Don't look at the problem. Don't look at the situation. But look at the one who can loose the chains this morning. Look at the one who can take the bad report and make it better. Look to the one who saved your soul. Look to the one who sent you Elijah. Oh, hallelujah. Look to the one today who's going to redeem us. Who's going to change our bodies. We're going to sit with him forever and ever and ever of an endless life. I'm not talking about an endless summer, but an endless life. Hallelujah. To live with our king. To reign with him, the king of kings. And the lords of lords. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It may be a midnight hour, but the sun is rising in the morning. Oh, blessed be his name today. Oh, let's sing it now with all of our hearts. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. I give you of this service today. Oh God, my, our hearts, Lord, is, is so full. Oh, no wonder, as that song says, I'm drinking from a saucer. Oh, my cup is overflowing. Oh God, the very essence of love. How oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. That while I was a yet sinner, Christ died for me. Oh God, I just pray right now, Lord, in your presence, that your spirit would just move through each home, dear God, for you're not limited, dear God, to just this building, wherever your children will be gathered right now, Lord. May the Holy Spirit flow through them. 
Lord, maybe they're in a prison, Lord. Maybe they're in their midnight hour. But, oh, God, let the chains fall off today, Lord. Let them rise to receive that which you have done for us, Lord. Oh, God, we confess it. We believe it. We receive it, Lord, today. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Bless Brother Donnie, Lord. Renew his strength, Father. Thank you, dear God, for such a wonderful gift that you placed among us, Lord. You can get himself out of the way that you can speak through him, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, for these musicians, Lord, and the sound men, Lord, the video, Lord. All that's done, dear God, that, that this could go out to your people wherever they're at, Lord. Thank you, Father. We just love you today, Lord. Once again, Lord, we pray you be with those that are hurting, Lord, those that are suffering today. May you just comfort their hearts, God, thou who spoke to the storm and said, Peace, may you speak once again today, we pray, Lord. We commit these things into your hands, Father, for your glory. Oh, we can certainly say today that it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. But, Lord, we can also say it is good to be the house of the Lord, your dwelling within in your people today thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus for all that you've done for us amen and amen thank you Lord God bless you saints today trust the service was a blessing to you look forward to the time that we can all safely gather back together but until then we'll press on Amen. In Jesus' name, we press home. In Jesus' name, we press home.